Hello, we have a dead man walking on Search for Truth today. This is your Bible teaching program with teacher Brian Johnston. But Brian is very much alive. I remind you that this series of talks by Brian is a gospel anthology, which is a collection of ways in which Brian is telling the good news message of the gospel. It's good news from God, and it's found in our Bibles. And the title of this week's talk, as I say, is Dead Man Walking. So let's step into our talk today with Brian. Thanks, John. A man working in the produce department was asked by a lady if she could buy half a head of lettuce. He replied, half a head? Are you serious? God grows these in whole heads and that's how we sell them. You mean, she persisted, that after all the years I've shopped here, you won't sell me half a head of lettuce? Look, he said, if you like, I'll ask the manager. She indicated that would be appreciated. So the young man marched to the front of the store to where his manager was located. You won't believe this, he said, but there's a lame-brained idiot of a lady back there who wants to know if she can buy half a head of lettuce. He noticed the manager's face turn red, and he started gesturing. So he turned around to see the lady now standing behind him, obviously having followed him to the front of the store. He immediately recovered himself and said, and this nice lady was wondering if she could buy the other half. Later in the day, the manager cornered the young man and said, that was the finest example of thinking on your feet that I've ever seen. Where did you learn that? I grew up in Grand Rapids, he said. And if you know anything about Grand Rapids, you know it's famous for its great hockey teams and its ugly women. The manager's face flushed again for a second time that day, and he interrupted, My wife is from Grand Rapids. And which hockey team did she play for, was the young man's instant reply. In the early part of 2014, there may have been times when the French president wished he had such diplomatic nimbleness. He could have used it when he was attempting damage limitation in the romantic muddle he'd got himself into. Instead, he appeared to fumble. Followers of France's political love story may have been intrigued by some expressions he used in the media. What, for example, did they make of a presidential statement that the woman he'd previously been associated with had succumbed to the blues? It seemed callous to underplay the extent of her distress. You wouldn't normally, after all, go to hospital with a case of the blues, but this jilted companion had been hospitalised. But enough of that. One of the Bible's great characters, Abraham, made a bigger blunder, a bigger blunder by far in relation to the statements he made about the most important woman in his life, his wife, Sarah. Here we have it recorded for us in Genesis chapter 20, and I'll read from verse 1. Now Abraham journeyed from there toward the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur and he sojourned in Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. 
Now Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a nation, even though blameless? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart you have done this. And I also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech arose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their hearing. And the men were greatly frightened. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What have you encountered that you have done this thing? Abraham said, Because I thought, surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And it came about, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, This is the kindness which you will show to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Abimelech then took sheep and oxen and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham and restored his wife Sarah to him. Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Settle wherever you please. To Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, it is your vindication before all who are with you and before all men you are cleared. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed fast all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. This was certainly not Abraham's finest hour, not his most glorious moment. His lack of courage here borders on cowardice. The faith for which this man is justly renowned is nowhere in evidence here, and any semblance of chivalry has disappeared right out of the window. It's just as well for Abraham that God was taking care of him. Indeed, Abimelech comes out of this episode with much more credit than Abraham. But what a shock it must have been for him to have God come to him in a dream and tell him, you are a dead man. And that because he'd innocently taken Abraham's wife for himself. He realised at once the danger he was in, and not only him, but also his people. Will you slay a nation, although blameless? He asked God. This illustrates something Abimelech understood about the character of God, which we, in modern times, appear to have forgotten, something which even professing Christians need to be reminded about. We here talk about the personal name of God, revealed by God in the Bible as Yahweh. In former times, this was the name which was misread as Jehovah. Its various Double-barreled forms were once well known, names such as Jehovah Jireh, being the Lord who provides, 
That was made famous in the story of Abraham being prepared to offer up his son Isaac. And then Jehovah-Rohi was made familiar in the 23rd Psalm as the Lord who is my shepherd, and so on. But two names which don't usually feature are the Lord who smites and the Lord who repays. These two names show aspects of the character of God which the incident of Abraham's encounter with Abimelech demonstrates. The Lord that smites means he smites or strikes those who are rebellious. It's the same word to smite or strike that's found in the story of the prophet Balaam, who struck his donkey when it appeared to him to be acting stubbornly in refusing to continue its journey. And it also describes God's actions against Sodom and Gomorrah, and later the land of Egypt, when Pharaoh, its king, refused to let God's people go in freedom. As a result, God struck the land of Egypt with the famous plagues. The other name, the Lord who repays, well, this is exactly what God did to Babylon after using them to discipline his own people's disobedience. They had God's permission to take Israel captive, but they went much further in cruelty, way more than was necessary. And so they were held accountable by the God who repays. In turn, God raised up the Medo-Persian Empire and broke the power of Babylon. God paid back the Babylonians for their cruelty. These names of God and the story of Abraham's encounter with Abimelech reveal realities that we ignore at our peril. God is certainly gracious and loving and all the things we enthusiastically commend in our preaching, but we're not faithful in the testimony that we bear to God, nor to the scope of the Christian message, if we suppress these other attributes of God just because they're not in sympathy with modern thought. God knows the integrity, or otherwise, of our heart in the same way as he knew the integrity of Abimelech's heart and will repay us with what we deserve in the judgment to come unless we take advantage of his offer of a free pardon, one that's made possible through Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for our rebellion. When writing about that, Peter, the Apostle Peter, says in 1 Peter 2 verse 24 that Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Actually, in the original language, the word used is the word for a single wound or stroke. This is describing Jesus on the cross, bearing the punishment, the penalty, which we deserved while taking our place. And as the hymn writer says, that fearful stroke, it fell on him and life for us was won. We are all dead men walking until we realize this and put our faith in Christ's sacrifice for us. He paid the awful price so that believers on him may go free. He was pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and to bring us peace he was punished and by his stripes we are healed we like sheep
The hymn we've just heard comes straight from our Bible text. You can find it in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5, where it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now, if you change the plural to singular, it becomes much more forceful. And then you can say that he, Jesus, was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought me peace was upon him, and by his wounds I am healed. So do you believe God when he says in this verse that Christ suffered to bring you eternal peace? The transcript book of all the talks in this series is available and you can obtain it by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book be posted to you. Just ask for the title, It's Not Fake News, and you can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4, 8, DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. I just want to say how much we've enjoyed your company today and I hope you have a good week ahead and I'd be delighted if you join me again to hear our next talk which is called Jesus is Greater. So for now it's goodbye and very best wishes from Brian, our producer David, our singers and me John. So see you again soon, and in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings.